Men, if you call every man your home for getting in, getting healthy, getting strong, and getting going, then we have a special ask for you. We need men like you to stand in the gap with us as we take back territory for God's kingdom with our new giving campaign. We're calling it the 12 for 12 giving campaign. And all it takes is $12 a month for 12 months. Now your commitment and donation will help us reach our 20 city goal with our Dangerous Good Conference in 2021. And we can't do this without your support. Now, if you haven't noticed, every man is on the move and we've been able to build an army of strong men that are choosing Jesus over the world. You know why? That's because of people like you that help our ministry thrive, especially in these difficult times. So will you join us and commit to donating $12 for 12 months? Every dollar equals change, not only in the men, but also change for the women, children, and communities connected to these men. Thank you in advance for your support and God bless. Hey everybody, welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a spot in 1 Samuel chapter 20 because we're gonna be looking at the next six chapters, passages from each of those uh, chapters. And we are in part two of a series called Resolve. And I wanna start this session with a question. Would you agree that timing is everything? You ever said that to yourself? Wow, timing is everything. And the big idea is when things happen is just as important as that they happen. I mean, God's timing in our lives, sometimes we don't see it, but we do have hindsight and we reflect on it and we go, wow, timing was everything. Like I know for a fact that many of you who are watching this right now, uh, you're either in a difficulty, in pain or a trial or a tribulation, or maybe you're just in the cloud of unknowing, that's where you are. And when it comes to timing, you want things to move faster so that you can experience peace and clarity. Now, there are other people who are watching me right now, along with you, uh, where the stars are kind of aligning, right? Uh, things are going well, things are going in your favor, and your perspective is, man, how long can this go, right? Now, above both situations, whether you're in the pit and in tribulation, or you're at the peak and stars are aligning, is the providence and goodness of God. Now, I want you to say that with me. Say, the providence and goodness of God. That's right. God is above our pit, and he's above our peak. And he is working his perfect plan out outside of what is happening to us, whether that's good or whether that's difficult. In fact, I want you to know this. God is on the move right now in your life, whether you're in the pit or you're in the peak, and he's good. God has a plan and you're a part of it. Now, David was a person who experienced both extremes. When you read the Psalms, when you read First and Second Samuel, and you read about the life of David, you see a guy who was in the slimy pit, and then he went from the slimy pit to the palace and became a king. There were chapters of his life that were unfolding, and whether he was in the pit waiting for the next chapter to unfold, or whether he was at the peak waiting for the situation to change, which he could not 
control. Here's the thing about David. David waited well on God in both spots. Now, was David flawed? Yes. Was he vulnerable? Yes. Did he wait perfectly all the time? No. Now, that's us, isn't it? We're flawed, we're vulnerable. Sometimes we we do really good in the waiting room of God. Other times we don't. And that's why we're doing this series called Resolve is because we really wanna wait well because we don't wanna miss out on the providence and goodness of God while we wait. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing right now? I know that your life is moving forward. I, I know that something else other than your present reality is coming, whether you're in the pit or whether the stars are aligning and you're at the peak. Life is not static. It doesn't stay the same way all the time because of the providence of goodness and God in your life. But until that that moment of transition comes, the question is this, how do we work with God for things getting clear or cloudy, better or challenging, right? How do we work with him while we wait? How does God's providence, how does God's goodness, how does God's timing connect with us while we are waiting for that next chapter to unfold? So we are gonna shine the light on the man after God's own heart and see some specific steps that he took when he really waited well. And so for today's study, we're gonna get God's mind, like we did last time in part one, on the in-between times and how he wants us to manage it. Then we're gonna define and resolve what it means to wait well. And then we're gonna look at like this vignette uh, in David's life and we're gonna see what he did uh, in the in-between time before the next chapter of his life unfolded. So let's get God's mind and I wanna draw our attention uh, to your notes, you can download them. There's a button. Uh, right on the screen if you're watching online, uh, from Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25, and Isaiah 26. So uh, I'm going to read uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25. Listen for the connections on how we wait well. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Okay, did you make that connection? Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 26. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. So what I want to do is I want to see the connections made in God's word to waiting well. And the first connection we want to see is between waiting and seeking. Did you hear in the Lamentations verse uh, that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person or to the man who seeks him. So life is unfolding. You could be in the pit or you could be in the peak. Are you seeking God in both places? That's how we wait well. Secondly, uh, did you hear from the Isaiah verse how waiting and walking in the way of your laws are connected? So we see that while we're in the in-between, either waiting for a victory or things to change or waiting for just a transition, we need to be walking in his way. So we need to be seeking God, whether we're in the peak or the pit. 
where we need to be walking in the way of your laws, obeying his word, walking with him by obeying his word, walking in the way of his will. And then third, uh, did you hear this? Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. You see, I, Isaiah is talking and he's saying, you know, while we wait, we want to make you famous. We want to glorify you. So we have waiting and seeking God, whether we're in the peak or pit. We have waiting and walking in the way of your laws, obeying his word, whether we're in the peak or the pit. And then we have waiting and glorifying God. Your name and your renown are our desire. You see, life is unfolding, all right, in different ways and uh, with different experiences. Some experiences are difficult. Some experiences are victorious. Some experiences are challenging. Some experiences bring great joy, all right? But life is unfolding in either direction. And as life is unfolding, the key, and please listen in, while life is unfolding, the relationship is progressing. So it doesn't matter whether you're down here or you're up here, or you're down here or you're up here, your relationship with God is progressing because you're waiting and seeking for the next chapter of your life to unfold. You're waiting and walking in his ways. You're waiting and glorifying God, and you're doing those things concurrently. You see, uh, jobs are changing, the kids are growing, uh, marriage is challenging, singlehood is challenging, uh, you're working through things. You know, life is going like this, but in the middle of that, you're waiting and seeking the Lord. All right, you're waiting and walking in the way of his laws. You're obeying God's word. You're waiting and you're glorifying God, whether you're up here or whether you're down here. So that's God's mind. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be seeking, walking, and glorifying uh, him uh, while we're waiting for the next chapter of our life to unfold. So let's now define waiting well. All right? It's not sitting on your hands. It's not waiting for some aha moment. Right? What we see in the Bible is that waiting well is, write this down, proactively drawing close to God as life unfolds. So life is unfolding up and down, but we're proactively seeking, walking, and glorifying him in the middle of both spaces. All right? You and I right now, we're waiting. We're waiting on the Lord. It's not a, well, things are bad, now I'm waiting on the Lord. It's, no, I'm waiting on the Lord even if things are good because I know that because Jesus said life is like a bowling alley, things are not going to be on this perfect, smooth, effortless, uh, unchallenged trajectory of positivity and peace and clarity, all right? Because life isn't that way. At some point, another chapter is going to unfold and there's going to be a little dip in the, in the progression, all right? So what do we have to do? in both spaces, we gotta proactively draw close to God as life unfolds. This is a consistency to that. So if you're watching this, you're in the waiting room. You're either waiting for the next chapter of life unfold to unfold or you're waiting for some victory. That's why it says in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, that's why it says this, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Did you hear that language? This is the way 
God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. So it doesn't matter if you're at the peak. It doesn't matter if you're at the pit. All right. We rejoice always or we're cheerful because we know that God's providence and goodness is at work in both spots, peak or pit. All right. We're talking to God all the time. That's waiting well. We're worshiping. We're thanking God no matter what happens because we know his providence and goodness is present as well as his promises. And then whenever you see in the Bible, this is God's will for you, or this is the way God wants you to belong, you gotta take out your highlighter and you gotta highlight that, put a star next to it, and put it on a three by five card and put it on your mirror so that when you get ready in the morning, you're reminded to proactively draw close to God as your life unfolds today, all right? So that's God's mind. There's a definition of waiting well, that proactively drawing close to him as life unfolds. And then we now we want to look at just the person of David. And uh, he's so well known uh, as the warrior and as the poet writer of the Psalms, as the, the, the killer of the bear and the slayer of Goliath. But I want to take us to... Uh, a waiting room moment in David's life when there was a transition from, man, the stars were all aligning to another chapter unfolded. And he was put in this, in the waiting room of God. His circumstances changed, his emotions changed, everything changed. But you know what? We see David wait on God really well before the next chapter uh, unfolds. Now, let me give you uh, some context. Some of it you'll know, some might be new. David was given a promise that he would be the king of Israel, all right? The prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, marches all his sons out, and he says, hey, none of these are the guy. Do you got any more? And he's like, oh, yeah, we got a guy watching the sheep. Well, go get him. David shows up, and the Lord says to Samuel, that's the one I have chosen. And then Samuel anoints David in that moment, but it's for a future moment, all right? He's identified. He's chosen. David knows it, the prophet anoints him, but it's for a future moment when he will become king. And as life unfolded, uh, the King Saul uh, had some terrible uh, headaches and terrible uh, torment emotionally, and he was looking for a solution. And guess who played, uh, played the liar? Guess who played a musical instrument that brought soothing and healing to King Saul? David. So David gets a gig in the palace, and now the plan is starting to unfold. His talents get discovered. Remember, this is the guy who slayed Goliath. Uh, David starts commanding troops. David starts winning battles. David rises to number one in the AP army poll, or... Uh, victory poll. He's undefeated and his fame is growing. All right, now we want to roll the film into this, this moment when you have a king, you have a future king, and you have the king getting a little insecure or afraid of this rising star. And we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 18. It says this, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. So now we're 
we're changing gears here in the story of David. Uh, David has uh, done some amazing things in his life. He's got a job in the palace. He's a rising star. He's winning all his battles. He's number one, all right? But there's already a number one, and his name is Saul. And there's a jealousy and an envy and an insecurity that develops. And this is the moment inside of Saul where he realizes, all right, God's hand is on this man. He's not on me and now I'm gonna be his enemy. So this is the, the pivot point in David's story. And so there's the moment where he realizes it, but then another moment comes, and that is in 1 Samuel 19.10. So the fear is growing in Saul about this rising star. Uh, his insecurities are growing. They're sitting at the table. Let's read 1 Samuel 19.10, because it all comes out. Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. So now there was a buildup. Now officially, David goes from having the favor of King Saul to becoming a fugitive, running from a psycho king who has all the resources uh, available at his disposable to finish the job that David eluded in that moment. So now we enter David's time of waiting. And now we're going to look at some things uh, that David resolved to do in the waiting. And this is where I really want you to pay attention because we're all waiting. Whether you're in the peak, stars are aligning, or you're in the pit. And now I want you to look at the man after God's own heart and, and look at the things that he does. So let's start uh, with this. Being resolved for David involved, number one, deepening and developing spiritual friendship. Now, let me give you some context for that. All right, context for deepening and developing spiritual friendship. King Saul, right, you know him. David, the promised and future king. And then you have Jonathan, who is Saul's son, who is the next in line, uh, by blood for kingship, all right? So Jonathan, Saul's son, sees what's happening, saw the whole spear incident and David escaping that, and listen to what the Bible says, the action Jonathan took uh, with David in 1 Samuel 20, 42. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to town. So David, what does he need and what does he welcome and what does he receive? Well, he receives Jonathan and he is a man of God who sees his psycho dad and what he's doing to the future king and actually puts himself at risk befriending David, the enemy of his dad, King Saul. And I love the line where it says, uh, where Jonathan says to David to uh, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other, right? So with God as their witness, uh, Jonathan says, guess what? We've sworn friendship with each other. What does that mean? It means we're gonna be there for each other. It means that our friendship is God's plan in this waiting moment until God changes the situation. 
Swearing friendship means, hey, I'm accountable to you and you are accountable to me. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have a friend like that? In your waiting moment, as you're kind of waiting for things to unfold, as you're processing your life, whether you're processing it in the pit and you're ready to go to the peak, or whether you're at the peak and you know inevitably because life is life, it's not going to stay the same. Are you processing your life and deepening and developing spiritual friendship? Do you know that that victory, perspective, uh, success, usually in the life of a man of God, is one faith-filled man away from you. You know, we can get in our own head. Can you do that? I do it really well. I get in my own head. I begin to look at the, my circumstances. I can't see the trees from the forest. And then one of my good friends, I'll have a lunch or a coffee, and we'll go deep, and I'll share my process. And because they're not in my process, right, they can speak objectively to me, not emotionally, or not based on feelings, and they can bring perspective to my life. In fact, as this new chapter of David's life begins, that's exactly what happens. So David is now running for his life. He's moving from stronghold to stronghold, hiding place to hiding place. And uh, the relationship with Saul and Jonathan doesn't just start with swearing friendship but then it just goes deeper because they start walking together with each other in, in David's fugitive season. Uh, we pick up their story in 1 Samuel chapter 23, and uh, we'll roll the film right there, verses 15 to 18. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father, Saul, will not lay a hand on you and you will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. So do you get the picture? David is a fugitive. Jonathan is in the palace. Jonathan is secret. He secretly, and at the risk of his own life, goes and finds David at Horesh, and then some things happen, right? First thing that's happened is just his presence, right? Jonathan shows up. Isn't that how we develop and deepen friendships? Man, in, in the pit, right? Or even at, 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 at the best of times or when we're challenged. A friend who loves God and who loves you shows up in your life to give you their presence. Secondly, you see the power of faith. Jonathan shows up at Horesh, and the Bible says that Jonathan helped David find strength in God. Wow, now the relationship is going deep, all right? They're not, they're not talking about the politics of the palace. They're not uh, talking about what's, what's, what's happening with the ladies. They're not talking about a lot of things they can talk about, but what they're talking about is this right here. And Jonathan, in this moment, is the one who's stronger in faith, and he is going to help the man weaker in faith find strength in God. How does he do that? By giving him perspective. You know, guys, you know how this is. When you're caught up in the weeds of a situation or a difficulty or a tribulation, or maybe you're caught up in just the blinding nature of unfettered success, all right, and your perspective is out of whack. What you need is a man of God 
to bring you some perspective. And in this instance, Jonathan gives David some perspective that he can't even connect with, but he can because Jonathan says it. Jonathan is next to Saul. That means he's got good intel. He also understands his father and he sees the, the thoughts behind his father's behavior. So he tells David, hey, my dad isn't gonna lay a hand on you. You're gonna be king, all right? What an uplifting moment when you just feel like, wow, I don't feel like I'm gonna be king. I'm running for my life. I'm hiding in caves. I'm dirty. Haven't taken a bath in a long time. You know, and then he says, and I will be second to you. Boy, there's, a, there's an encouragement, right? He just goes, hey, guess what? And I'm not a threat to you, all right? And then he says, even my father Saul knows this. So he gives him tribal knowledge. Man, boom, boom, boom. But he needed to be present to give his perspective and to help David find strength in God. And then it says the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. They prayed. Okay, now that's what it looks like to deepen and develop spiritual friendship. You show up for each other, you bring the power of your faith to bear on the situation at hand. The person who's strong in faith in that moment or season uh, strengthens the other man uh, in God. And man, you pray for one another. Do you have a friend like that? Because if you don't, that's why we exist. That's why we at Everyman exist. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have a friend like that, to maybe call someone up and to go online and to get the resource, uh, Being God's Man in Friendship. All right? It's a get healthy resource. But man, you need friends like that. All right? You're not a lone ranger. God never intended for you to do life alone. And that's how we wait really well. Now, I added a verse in your notes because I wanted you to see David at the pit, and there's Jonathan there, and this lesson of the pit of waiting and deepening and developing friendship, it carries with David after he is king, right? He writes this in Psalm 101, right? Listen to the, what, the king who is now out of the pit and at the peak, how he thinks about friendship. He says this, the perverse in heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. Listen, my eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. So David loses his friend, Jonathan. All right, we'll, we'll see that later in today's study. But boy, does David realize, man, you know what? I need high quality guys around me. I need character around me. I need humble men who love God around me. I need faithful men around me as a leader that they may dwell with me. Okay, notice, not squat, not be an event, not just a social relationship. Nope, they're in my life. They see my life. They dwell with me. They know my life then the one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. Do you have ministers in your life who are your friends? That's God's plan for your life. And that's how we wait well, guys. When we're waiting for the next chapter of our lives to unfold, part of God's will is that we seek out proactively, draw close to him by deepening and developing friendship. All right, so that's the first thing we see David do. Uh, I wanted to camp there for a little bit because that is mission critical. 
Sure, you have a relationship with God, but what we see in the Bible, both by, by story and by command, is that we're not supposed to do life alone. Iron needs to sharpen iron. A brother is born for adversity. Adversity. That's what the Bible teaches. All right, let's look at the second thing for David. Being resolved while he waited involved, write this down, accepting a new calling while waiting for God's timing. So interesting, all right? And when I when I, when I thought about this, this idea and what we're going to see in David's life happen, I thought, boy, isn't that true? Sometimes while we're waiting, some new stories begin to unfold while we wait. And, um, you know, I just think about, you know, actors who come to Hollywood and, and while they're waiting for their next chapter of their life to unfold, you know what? They're waiting tables. They meet friends at work. They're at a job. They get to know other people right? There's these new purposes that are in their life while they are waiting. And can I just tell you something? Whether you're in the pit waiting for a victory or whether you're at the peak right now where the stars are aligning, God has some purposes for you up there that have nothing to do with your circumstances. There's people, there's situations he wants you to be present in. And that's what happened uh, with David. Before he would lead a nation, God wanted to accomplish something else. And look, we read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says this, So David got away, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and associates uh, with his family heard where he was, they came down and they joined him. Not only that, key word. So he's got the people who kind of know him, and then... There's this second group. Not only that, but all who were down on their luck came around. Losers and vagrants and misfits of all sorts. David became their leader. They were about 400 in all. Wow. So the, the situation is changing. David goes from the palace and favor to a fugitive. All right. Some of his first circle hears about it. And of course, they kind of go to him like a magnet. But then there's this whole other group of people uh, that, that, that the scripture says, man, they were like, for lack of a better term, they were the rapscallions, man. They were down on their luck. They were in debt. They were uh, discontent. I mean, David gets the, the ragamuffins and the rapscallions, and they all rally around David. And so here is his new calling. While he's waiting to become king, he now has to lead this team of men that they were never in the plan. This calling to lead these 400 plus people uh, were never in the plan. But God says, guess what? While you're waiting to experience my promise, I want you to lead them. You see, guys, this is what I want you to know. You can be all in your own head and you can be thinking about you and fixing your situation and you can miss these incredible opportunities for impact and influence that have nothing to do with you and your rise or your transition to the next thing. And God brought these people to David's porch. So can I ask you a question? Who are the people in your life, in this chapter of it, whether you're at the peak or the pit, who God is bringing who are new? New colleagues, new employees, new neighbors, new... And can you set your agenda aside 
and give that to God because you have promises from God. And like David, can you influence them? In this situation, David needed to lead them. All right. So that was the second thing that David did while he was waiting. He deepened and developed spiritual friendship. Number two, he accepted a new calling while he was waiting for God's timing. All right. So cool. Number three, let's see the next thing that David did. Uh, being resolved in God's waiting room involved for David, write this down, serving new people as part of God's perfect plan. Now let's remind ourselves, right? David had a promise. David was waiting for that trauma promise to transpire. But meanwhile, God has places for him to go and people he needs to, to meet and actions he needs to take while he is in the season of waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled, all right? Now, these are people that God knows about that David knows nothing about. God's known about them all along. God's known that in his providence and goodness that David was going to be in this situation. And, and, and God has assigned David a mission before the ultimate mission of being king of a nation, all right? So on the way to God's providence and goodness and promise being fulfilled, right, David has to serve some new people as part of God's perfect plan, all right? Let's look at this passage from 1 Samuel 23. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5, all right? When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the, th the threshing floors, he he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go down to Keilah for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. How cool is that? So David, his life changes. The next chapter starts to unfold. He's not at the, at the peak anymore. He's in the pit. He's gone from favor to being a fugitive, but God has a mission within the mission, and David is going to serve some new people while he's a fugitive. So there's God's providence and goodness for the people of Keilah. You think the people of Keilah were, were glad that David was sensitive to the Lord, and he heard some news, and then he prayed about it. He's like, hey, that's happening. I'm here. Should I get involved? And then the Lord says, go. And then he gets a little pushback and then he prays again. And God says, get down there. I'm with you. This is part of my plan. You know, there are so many of you watching me right now. And while you're waiting for the next chapter of your life to begin, you're missing some people that God wants you to serve and help. Just like David served and saved the people of Keilah. And you know what? Um, it's time to kind of turn your, your radar on for God and in faith go, Lord, I hear what you're saying to me right now in this moment. I need to become sensitive to not just my situation, but the situation and what I'm hearing and seeing going on around it and see where I can, as your man on a journey with you, trusting in your providence and goodness that you know the timing 
I can get involved in someone's life. I'm telling you, there are so many people right around all of us who are listening to uh, this video, podcast, and teaching uh, that are waiting for one dangerous, good, spirit-empowered and spirit-filled man to be sensitive and to start praying. So even as I'm talking about this, we need to just say, hey, Lord, whatever you want me to do, my life is yours to use. Use me exactly how you want to use me in anyone's life or any group of people's life the way you want to use me. I don't want to miss the blessing of serving new people as a part of your perfect plan as I wait for your promise. You know, it reminds me in high school where um, I was at recess uh, in between classes walking to my locker and uh, I bumped into someone I didn't hang out with a lot. Her name was Pascal, uh, a gal, and uh, she asked me a question. She goes, hey, Kenny, uh, did you turn in your UCLA application? And in high school, I had really great grades, but no one was watching the fort, and no one was asking that question. I'm like, tell me what you mean. And she's like, well, you know, if you're applying to college, you should uh, go to the Career Center and fill out an application. So I'm like, well, okay. And, uh, and I, I went and I filled it out by hand when everybody else was typing it. I wrote my essay by hand. Uh, got accepted to UCLA. Do you know that that silver thread of God's providence and goodness came about as a result. And I know that Pascal is a believer in Christ. And I don't know what her process was then, but you know what? She was on her way somewhere, but she saw me and she was prompted and she listened. She asked me a question and it has changed the whole arc of my life in probably the most significant way other than Jesus. Because I only applied to one school I wrote it out by hand. I got accepted. At UCLA, I met my life. Now we're off to the races. All right? Got discipled at UCLA, met my wife, kids. The Where I am today can be traced back to one significant moment where someone who was on their way somewhere, they decided to serve another person by asking them a simple question. Who's on the other end of a one-minute interaction with you. Did you know that that one-minute interaction can change the complete trajectory of their life? You know, Kila was never part of David's plan, but it was always a part of God's plan. You know, there's some people and some situations that, that you would have never put into your plan, but they were always a part of God's plan. And God's wondering if you're gonna be sensitive to him and open and willing, knowing in his providence and goodness, he's got you that you could serve someone else while you wait on the Lord. You know, I on this point, I just remember my daughter moving to a new soccer team and her coach, I loved him. And you know, I just go kind of show up practice, hang around and man, I really love this guy. And turns out um, Coach Ali, who is Muslim, um, you know, he was really seeking God. And I remember just getting involved in a dialogue with him and through a number of different circumstances, ended up, he was ready. I mean, like a ripe apple that was ready to fall off the tree to come to Jesus and come to faith. And uh, he, he received Christ uh, over instant message with me one day. Now, that was back in 2001, 2002. Ali today is leading hundreds of people 
to Jesus. But, you know, that's not to just say that I was critical. I was just open, right? And I just want to encourage you. That's how important walking with God while you wait is. There are people, maybe someone are knock, maybe some people are knocking on your door. Maybe some people are right there with you. Maybe there's some people where you need to take a little initiative, right? But there are people that are part of God's plan that were never a part of your plan. All right, let's look at the next thing that uh, being resolved for David involved, um, and that is rejecting a quick fix for a quality transition. Now, remember, David goes from favor in the palace to a fugitive being chased by a psycho king with thousands of guys looking for him, all right? And let's pick up the story and let's see the quick fix David rejects, all right? So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way and there was a cave there and Saul went in to relieve himself. Okay, so you get the picture? David and his men, so here's Saul relieving himself. David and his men were far back in the cave and they said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish, right? Then David crept up unnoticed from the back of the cave and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So did you see the situation at hand, what the men wanted and what David did, right? David didn't kill him, all right? Now, some of you are going, wow, how could Saul not feel someone cutting off his rope? Well, most likely, because he's the king, he had to take off what he was wearing just to go. That's why he had to go to the cave, all right? He had to take off his robe. So David creeps up, and he, he cuts off a part of his rope. So he has something to show that he was right next to Saul with a killing instrument and chose not to do it. Now, why didn't David take the quick fix? And why didn't David cave to all the voices of his men saying, this is it, man. We can, we can end this thing now. Two things. One, he knew God's promise, all right? And secondly, he knew that this would be the wrong way to fulfill it, all right? David knew God's promise, and this would not be the way to fulfill it. David wanted a quality transition to the next chapter, and he wasn't going to take the shortcut there. Man, what a decision. How many times in my life, how many times in your life, because we needed relief or because we wanted to maintain where we were, we said yes to a quick fix, and it came back to bite us, all right? So we got the result short-term that we wanted, but long-term, we wished we would not have made that quick fix decision, that knee-jerk reaction in the short-term, right? And man, that, that takes faith in God. And for us right now, you might be in the pit, you might be at the peak. You might be wanting a quick fix to your situation, just give me some relief, or you might encounter a quick fix at the top because the stars are aligning and you want to preserve what's going on, but it's inviting you to do things that will go against God's promise and it'll be the wrong way to transition and it will hurt you in the end. You know, in the Bible, it talks about this moment where we have to be disciplined, all right? Where we have to say no to self, 
no to the quick fix, all right, and say yes to God and yes to his promise, right? In Hebrews 12, 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, all right? Say this with me, at the time, all right? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it, right? Uh, so what's the Bible saying? The Bible's saying, you know what? God's gonna put you in situations where you're gonna be offered a quick fix either to protect what you have or to secure relief. But it's not according to his promise and it's against his will. And in that moment, you need power through your identity in God and through the Holy Spirit to say no to the quick fix, to say yes to God. That is what David chose to do while he was waiting. Huge thing. And you know, guys, I know that, um, that there's a spiritual battle and that quick fixes are going to be offered, all right? Because Satan and the world and the flesh are going to offer you them. That's what the world, the flesh, and the devil does. But when that happens, can I, and there are some of you right now today, you are contemplating a quick fix, and it is not according to God's promise, um, and it's not according to God's plan. And it's in hindsight, right? We're borrowing David's hindsight right here. And we're borrowing what the Bible says. In hindsight, if you do that, you will look back and instead of becoming more like Christ and experiencing peace, you're gonna become less like Christ and you're gonna be anxious over that decision. So that's what resolved looked like for David. He resolved to deepen and develop spiritual friendship. He resolved uh, to accept a new calling while he was waiting. He resolved to seek the Lord and serve new people. Man, those people at Keilah were so excited. He resolved to reject a quick fix for a quality transition to the next chapter. All right, let's look at the last thing that David resolved to do, all right? Resolve for David while he was waiting involved, letting his personal resolve become public. Okay, there we go. David resolved to let his personal resolve to please the Lord become public, all right? Personal resolve about what? Not killing Saul to take the throne. His faith was way more important than the fix. And we, we read about that in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24. If you look on your notes and you look on the screen, uh, we pick up the story. Then David went out of the cave, all right? So we were in the cave. Saul was relieving himself. David had a chance to kill him, but instead he cut off a part of his robe. David comes out of the cave and called out to Saul, my lord, the king. So Saul obviously is uh, a little ways away. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Quote, may the Lord judge between you and me. May the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. So David wants to let Saul know what he did 
publicly. David's personal resolve to not take the quick fix becomes public. And he did it in this instance. And when you hear David describe, who are you pursuing, a dead dog, a flea? The dead dog and the flea is David. When you hear David say, as the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. He goes, I'm not an evildoer, right? So why are you pursuing me? My deed of sparing your life shows what my heart is like. So why are you pursuing me? Now, this is the first instance that David had to take Saul's life, but it's not the last. Imagine, you're like, okay, I already did it once. What if God gave you another opportunity to take out the psycho guy who's chasing you and trying to kill you? Would you do it? Well, David had a second chance. If you flip forward in your Bible or look on the screen, 1 Samuel chapter 26, all right? Let me give you some context, all right? Uh, David uh, comes upon Saul's encampment and everybody's asleep. So he just ninjas his way in. He Navy SEALs his way in. He special forces his way in and he takes Saul's spear. So instead of cutting off a part of his robe to show, He takes the the spear of the king. Now let's pick up the story because then he announces and goes public with his process. 1 Samuel 26, verses 22 to 24. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards every woman for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I value your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Wow. Not once, but twice, right next to the guy, cuts off a piece of the robe, takes his spear. But he shares his spiritual process. This is why I didn't do that. And in sharing his personal resolve spiritually in the midst of his waiting for God to fulfill the promise. David's in the in the pit. He's not in the peak. He went from, from favor to the fugitive. He is sharing his process. Can I ask you a question? While you wait in either spot, all right, for things to change and things are going great, but you know it can't go on forever, or you're ready for a new chapter to begin and the pain to end and for victory to happen, while you wait, are you sharing your spiritual process of seeking the Lord, of walking with the Lord, of glorifying the Lord? You know, while you're in this spot, you're sharing God's promise, you're sharing where you are, you're sharing what God's doing, and you're sharing about your decision-making process. You know, people who are lost or people who even are our enemies, I mean, David let his enemy know what his process was, right? Hey, I'm going to do what God wants. Right? I'm not going to do what my impulses want. It's hard. I could end this, but I'm not because I want God's will to be done as I enter the next chapter. And, and so that's where we land this plane today for today's session. And, and so I just want to review a little. All right? God defines waiting not as sitting on our hands or being inactive. In fact, it's a proactive drawing close to God as life unfolds, no matter where you are. So you're listening to me, everything's great. You better be seeking the Lord, walking in his ways, and glorifying God. You're in the pit, all right? Your life is unfolding. The next chapter is about to come. You need to be seeking the Lord, walking 
in his ways and glorifying God. And we learn from David that in the midst of it, man, we need friends, all right? There might be some missions within the mission, uh, either to lead or to help other people. Uh, we're learning that some quick fixes to our situation will come to us that don't require faith, but they do tap into our fears and our need for relief. Reject those. And then there is processing publicly with other people, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. And man, what a great friend we have in Jesus, amen? Who walks with us, who's with us in the valley of the shadow of death, who anoints our head with oil in the presence of our enemies. That's why David could write a psalm like that. Man, God was anointing him in the presence of his enemies. Don't you want that? Well, I want that for you, and that's why I'm going to ask you to put your pens and pencils down, and I want you to bow your head. I want you to enter into the Lord's presence with me because I want the Lord to set a table for you and to anoint you with his power and blessing in the presence of whatever situation you are. Lord, thank you for uh, today's session. Thank you that uh, there are some men right now, the stars are aligning, and they're in a place of success and victory. There are some men in the middle. Uh, they can feel the pit leaving them and they're, they're, they're headed to the peak. And then there's others of us, we are in the slimy pit and we are stu stuck in the muck and mire. And man, we need the things that David needed. And God, I pray that if we're at the, the peak, God, that we would be a friend who is feeling strong in faith, who's feeling anointed, and that we would go visit our friend who is in the pit. God, thank you for peak friends who come to us in the pit. And thank you that when we're in the pit, uh, Lord, we can receive those friends. Lord, thank you that you have a purpose for both. Help us to deepen and develop spiritual friendship, God. And then, Lord, help us to, because of your providence and goodness in our life, your presence, and that your plan is getting worked out and you're good, that we can accept some new callings for influence with people that weren't a part of our plan, some new serving opportunities that were not a part of our plan, but we can participate on that on the way providence, that on the way to the next chapter, God, uh, you're going to bump some people into us and you're going to wonder, will we get, we get stuck in our own heads or will we in faith enter others' lives because we know that you're on the job? And then God, I know that relief is a powerful force. Fear is a powerful force. And I know that sometimes you call us to reject the quick fixes so that you're promise can be fulfilled in a quality way, in the right way. And so I pray for brothers who are tempted right now to accept the quick fix to their situation. There are some men who are contemplating divorce and a quick fix for a relationship with another woman at the expense of their wives and their kids. And I pray that those men right now would reject that quick fix. There are some men right now who are thinking that they're justified in, in fudging on their expense report or doing something financially shady. I pray that they would reject that quick fix in their lives. There are some men who feel justified in their anger to take some actions, Lord, that you do not want them to take. And so, Lord, I pray that they would reject impulse and the quick fix of some action done in anger and that all of those men would rely on your promises. And then for all of the other men who are listening to the sound of my voice right now, Lord, I pray that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and that their process would become public. God, that they would have the courage 
to let others know that you're at work, whether they're in the peak or the pit, that they are seeking the Lord, that they're walking in obedience to your commands, that their desire, no matter where they are, is for you and your name and your renown to be made famous and for them to glorify you. Father, none of this can happen without your anointing. So right now I call down the anointing of your presence in the presence of difficult situations. I call for your anointing in the presence of success before life changes, God. And I pray for the consistency of the man of God listening to my voice right now. Lord, would you raise him up that he would seek you, walk with you, and glorify you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Can I just encourage you right now that if God has spoken to you, will you just let us know? I love to hear your stories. Our team wants to pray for you. Just go to the everymanministries.com website, click contact us, send us a little note. Secondly, uh, if there is a point in today's study, like deepening and developing friendship, please check out the resources, all right? Because they're there for you to apply the revelation of truth that God just poured into your spirit, all right? And then we'll see you next week for Bible study. Love you and praying for you. God bless you. If you call every man your home for getting in, getting healthy, getting strong, and getting going, then we have a special ask for you. We need men like you to stand in the gap with us as we take back territory for God's kingdom with our new giving campaign. We're calling it the 12 for 12 giving campaign. And all it takes is $12 a month for 12 months. Now your commitment and donation will help us reach our 20 city goal with our Dangerous Good Conference in 2021. And we can't do this without your support. Now, if you haven't noticed, every man is on the move and we've been able to build an army of strong men that are choosing Jesus over the world. You know why? That's because of people like you that help our ministry thrive, especially in these difficult times. So will you join us and commit to donating $12 for 12 months? Every dollar equals change, not only in the men, but also change for the women, children, and communities connected to these men. Thank you in advance for your support and God bless. Thank you.